Whoa. Whoa. There we go. Good to see you this morning. I want to take you, take you back 4,000 years or so. God had made a promise. He'd made a, a promise uh, to, to a people, a particular people. He promised them a land. He, he promised to, to be their God. He would be their God. They would be his people. He made this promise to, to Abraham. Look up and see the stars, your people. My people will be as, as, as big as, as, and as numerous as the stars. See the sand. We will be as numerous, and I will bless you. I will be coming to a covenant, a promise. It was renewed with, with Moses. In fact, when Moses came along, the people of Israel were in bondage. God had said, hey, I've got a land. I'm going to give you a, a land, a promised land. And yet here they were in Egypt in bondage. But yet God showed himself strong and mighty. He delivered them, and, and he used Moses to do that. And the people crossed the Red Sea on dry land as the water was parted before them. He saw, they, they, they witnessed the, the enemy of, you know, that were coming after them being swallowed up in, in, the, in the waters there. Then they go out into the, into the wilderness on the journey to the promised land. They, they saw God provide for their every need in the middle of this desert, provided them water, provided them food. Every morning they would open the tent uh, doors, and there out in the, on the ground was manna from heaven. God provided for them. He, was, he showed himself strong and faithful. To the promised land, the land that God said, I'm going to give you this. They get there, and the first thing they do, like, hey, let's send some folks into, the, into this land to see who the enemies are. And they come back, and you, know, you remember the story. They gave a bad report. Hey, no, they're, these, they're too big. They're too, they're too awesome for us to, to handle. They will swallow us like pigs in a blanket. And fear went across the people of Israel. We, we, can't, we can't do this. Even though God had promised to give them, they did not trust him. And so he, he judged them. He said, all right, back out into the desert, 40 years. This generation will die. They'll be strewn across this desert, and you'll come back, and this land is yours. I've promised. And so Moses is leading them. They are now back, and they're ready to, to cross the Jordan and take this land. And he's gathering the people together, all of them, all of the people of Israel. And he's recounting, he's, he's recounting the word that he had given them there on Mount Sinai some 40 years prior. Remember what God told us to do. We need to follow this word. He is our God. There's no God, just like we sang, there's no God like him. And he, he gives them this message and reminds them of the power of who God is and the promises that he made. Remember all that he's done. Let's go and take and receive this land that God has promised. And we have here the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is Moses' word to the people of Israel right before they make their way into the, the promised land. And he's reminding them of the, the commands that God had made. And one of those really pinnacle points of the book is, is found in chapter 6. And I want to invite you, encourage you to take your Bible, take your, your phone apps, and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy is toward the front of the Bible. If you're using, again, one of those black Bibles, you can find it there on page 151. 
Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, chapter 6. Moses knows that they're about to go into this land where the people, the people there worship many gods, many idols. And during the, the conquest, and even after they were to settle in this land, he knows that they're going to be, they're going to be tempted to, to follow after these gods and these idols. And so these words are very, very important. And friends, though our gods and idols of today are Maybe they're a little bit more sophisticated. They seem a little more subtle. We face the very same temptations. And so these words that Moses is about to speak to the people of Israel, these are words that we need to hear today. We need to hear these today. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning verse 4. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God... The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You, will, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. It's a beautiful passage. This, is, this passage is, is considered one of the most important and essential declarations to, to, um, to, our, to the Jewish faith. Really, from the days of Moses all the way up into the, into the present day. Devoted Jews this day will continue to recite this, this passage in chapter 11, and then a passage in Numbers is called the, the Shema. They will, they will recite this as a prayer in the morning and in the evening. On their most holy day, Jewish holy day of the year, known as Yom Kippur, this, this passage is recited at the, as a prayer at the very pinnacle of that, of that day. People, when they, when they realize that, that death is near, will come and they'll say these as their last words before death. It's an important, it's an important passage, but not just to the Jews. Friends, it's, this is an important passage for us, for us as a family of faith, the people of God, See, we, we share the importance of this passage, but we, we do look at it a little different than our Jewish friends. We, we look at it through the lens of Jesus Christ. But through Christ, the Lord is our God. He is our God. He is also one God. There's no God before Him, and there will never be another God after Him. He is, he is the one true God. He is eternally God, the only God. He was, He is, and He ever will be God, the only God. We believe that, that our, our God exists as one, but in three persons. One essence, three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We're, we're Trinitarian, but we believe in one God. 
And just as Moses called on the people of Israel to declare that the Lord is their God and he is one God, he's gathering them together and he's like, hey guys, this is huge. We're going into this land and we need to declare this and this needs to be on our lips often. There is one God. He is our God. Our God. Say it over and over, people. Friends, we need to say it. He is our God. There is no God beside him. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? There is no God like our God. He has no rival. He alone is God. He is the one true God. He is majestic in holiness. He is set apart. He is ultimately supreme. He is awesome and amazing in all of his glorious deeds. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Now, sometimes I think we, we have spiritual amnesia at times. God is so glorious. He is so awesome. He is the God, and yet he knows us, calls us by name. This verse, it, what does it do? It calls us to stand in awe and wonder at the greatness of who God is and the fact that I mean, it's that he would bring sinners like me and like you into relationship with himself through Jesus Christ and that should just make us stand in awe and praise and thanksgiving and humble worship before him yes let us love the Lord our God with all of our heart with all of our soul with all of our might or strength bless the Lord O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name all that's within me all my heart soul and strength now verse 6 of our passage moves us from this declaration into instruction. It says, All these words that I command you today shall be upon your heart. All of the word, all of all, he's recounting all of the commands that God had given. He says, These need to be upon your heart. The people of Israel were to keep God's word deep into their being. You know, in the Old Testament days, in the time of, of Moses, up, up to Christ, to know God, to know God was to keep his commandments, to follow the law. But now, on this side of the empty tomb, Jesus, the, the scripture says Jesus is the perfect fulfillment of the law. Everything that we read about here in Genesis, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all of this is pointing to Jesus. The law, the commands are all pointing to Jesus, and they're fulfilled in him. All that the prophets that are speaking about one to come, it's all culminating in Jesus Christ. So for, for them to, to know God, to love him, and to worship him is to keep the law. For us, it is to love Jesus and to, to, keep, to, to know him and to follow him. Back in Old Testament days, you know, to love God, they were, again, to keep his commandments. And when they broke one of those laws, we read particularly in, in Leviticus, they were to go and they would make a sacrifice you know, to, 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 uh, to get forgiveness and to be brought back into relationship 
with God. Blood had to be spilt out. It's, the, it's part of the covenant, part of the way God established relationship. Here's the law. Keep it. And when you break it, here's what you have to do. You take a lamb or a, bird or one of the, a dove and you, you come and you sacrifice him. And, and that blood will be spilt and, and your sins will be forgiven. But we, again, on this side of the empty cross, we know that Jesus Christ was that sacrifice. He was the ultimate and final sacrifice. We don't need any more bulls and goats and doves to be sacrificed. Jesus poured out his blood. And when we turn and trust in him, we are forgiven forever and finally and fully. His death, burial, resurrection secured forgiveness forever for all who believe and trust in his, his rescuing work. This my friends, is the gospel. It is what we call the good news, the gospel, the good news. All that Jesus did to accomplish um, restoration of us with God. So what Moses is doing, he's calling, in a sense, us today. This passage is calling us to, to today not just to obey the, the law, but to give our lives to Christ, to make much of who he is, to have Jesus upon our hearts. So when you see, I want these words to be upon your heart. Friends, today, Jesus is the word. We need Jesus upon our hearts. We need his work, his good news. We need the gospel in our hearts. The gospel, this good news, the saving work of Jesus. But now, Maybe you say, well, how do, we, how do we do that? How do we have him? How do we have this good news? How do we have Jesus, the gospel, upon our hearts? Look at verse 7. I'll put it on the screen. He says, he, you shall teach them diligently. Teach the law for us. Teach, put Jesus diligently to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. He, what he's saying is like, hey, take the word of God. Take Jesus, and I want him everywhere. He needs to be the center focus of your life, of all that you do, your home, and impress these upon your children. We are to teach God's word, the good news, Jesus diligently, the word says. We are to impress them. I looked up that word, and there's a, there's a great word. It's called uh, inculcate. Ever heard, anybody ever heard that word? I wasn't going to use it because I don't even know what this is. But it's like, it's like take, take Jesus and brand him. Get him deeply into the fabric of your, of your heart and being. Let the gospel just, like, like you have a... a blood transfusion of Jesus and he's now coursing through your veins and we do everything that we can as parents and as the family of God to bring Jesus and his work into, into our homes and lives. We are to teach them diligently, he says, to our children. Now you remember back on Vision Sunday I, was, I said that when Moses was pulling the people together he, he wasn't having a parent meeting. This is not just, all right, you, everybody, if, I need all the parents to hang loose here with me, and I've got our youth minister. He's going he's gonna to come up and have a few words, right? 
No, he's, he has all of the people, and he sees them as a family, and he's like, this is us. You all need to impress them, plant them, inculcate them into the hearts of your children. Every one of you here today, we all, including myself, we have a responsibility to implant, to implant Jesus into the hearts of the younger generations. That's why he has us here. Yeah, we, we want to minister to, to, to every generation, but you are here. Moses is speaking to you and me. Get this into the hearts of your kids, your kids as a family. See, the, the Israelites were about to go into enemy territory. And it is so important. He, he's like, you guys, this is, God's going to do this. But it's important. There, there are temptations. There are struggles all around. And you need God's word at the center of your life. You're going to be tempted to stray. You're going to go after, you're going to see the idols and the gods of the, of the world over here. And you're going to be tempted to go that way. Don't do it. Get him in your heart. Get these words in your heart. Friends, today is our day. It is our day. We are, in a sense, stepping into enemy territory. And our enemy is a, is a spiritual foe. There's an all-out war for the hearts of our children. Parents, if you're in the room, you, you probably know that. I mean, from social media, I mean, everywhere. The enemy is after the hearts of, our, of, our, of the next generation. We must teach Jesus. We must impress the good news or this gospel diligently into our children. This is our calling. This is our mission. This is our focus. It is our privilege. It is our responsibility as a family. We must impress Jesus upon the hearts of our kids repeatedly, diligently, passionately, and intentionally. That's what this passage is calling us to do. And as Moses tells us, now how do, how do we do this in verse 7? We are to talk about Jesus or this good news when we sit in our houses, when we walk by the way, when we lie down, and when we rise. In other words, Jesus is to be in our conversations with our kids from when they wake up until they go to sleep at night and everything in between. That's, that's, that's basically what he's saying. Have conversations about Jesus all the time. Bring it up. Be intentional. Now, parents, I, I want to speak to you directly here. We're, this is Parenting Foundations. We're in Family Matters. We did a couple of marriage. Now we're talking about uh, parenting you are the primary disciple makers. So as you read a passage like this, I want you to feel the weight of it a little bit. It's, it's heavy. And then as a church family, we all need to feel this weight. But parents, your role, yeah, you feed them and you clothe them. Uh, you, you, you make sure they take a bath at least once a week. All those things, right? <laughs> but, and those are good things. Get them to ball practice or whatever. But the, your primary role, the number one thing on your job description is to pour Jesus into your kids. That's, that's your primary role. You are a disciple maker. You're to 
and that, that word simply, a disciple is, is a word that simply means to follow, as a follower. So a, a disciple of Jesus is a follower of Jesus. So a disciple maker as a parent is to help your kids follow Jesus, point them to Jesus, go after him, go after him. This is why bringing the gospel and Jesus into their lives, morning and evening and everything, is, is so vital. They're not just going to get it by osmosis. Now, you're, you're, I know you're probably thinking, how in the world am I supposed to talk about Jesus with my kids every waking moment of the day? Is that, is that what he says? Pastor, is that what you're telling me to do? Well, kind of. Yeah, kind of. Friends, this is kind of what, this is really what the, the vision that we've, we've set out before you as a, you know, back in, in January. We want to help you as parents and grandparents. We want to help us as a church family to, to do this, to bring Jesus intentionally, deliberately, and repeatedly into the hearts of our kids. We, we want to help you parents, particularly grandparents, with this wonderful task as to, we want to equip you and when we want to resource you so that it becomes just, and we've been talking about habits, so that talking about Jesus, bringing him up, making connections with their lives all throughout the day and the week is just natural. It's a habit. It's just what you do. You don't even have to think about it. It's like breathing. It just happens. This morning we are we are launching a a web page. Um, we've all been working on it, and Ryan and Rachel given significant attention to it. Um, you can go to our our website, yourfirstbaptist.com, and you, there's multiple ways to get there. On the right side, on the right side is this column, and you'll see under like f- uh, family resources, you'll see something that says parent parent resources. And just click there, and it'll take you there. Um, you can, yourfirstbaptist.com slash parent resources, and it'll, it'll take you there. Um, uh, we'll give, we'll find ways to throw some links out. Follow our social media. We'll get, right, he's writing that down right now. Huh? I, I wasn't in my notes. So, so we're going to get it. We want you to, to go there. It's the beginning point of, um, of our parent equipping, family equipping resources. Family resources, that's it. Yourfirstbaptist.com slash family resources. Again, right now there's some introductory uh, information, descriptions about um, our uh, you know, life stages. There's all of our uh, milestone events, a little description about uh, what those are. And then there's a section under there that says, in fact, it's right at the top of that page. It says, A Parent's Guide to the Times. These times are really taken right out of here. When he says, all right, when you, when you rise up, when you lie down, when you go along the way, here's, here's how we want to just help you with this and, and help you interpret kind of what this is. So, for, for instance, early childhood. The way we're describing them, you can see them, see them here. Uh, we, we, we have, you have morning time, feeding time, cuddle time, drive time, and then bath time. These are, for your preschooler, these are key moments, cue moments, when you have the attention of your child. They get up in the morning, and you, 
you, you have their attention or when you're driving them somewhere or in, that, in those moments when you're cuddling or when you're feeding them. These are sweet moments to, to sing over your child. To, you're like, well, they're, they're like six months. What are, I mean, they, don't, they don't understand anything that I say. That's okay. Just hold that child close. Look him or her in the eye and just tell them, God loves you. You are precious in his. Just say it. Let that become a part of the ongoing habit. Sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. And just sing. When we were singing, we, my wife's belly was there. And, you know, we'd put hands on it, sing, talk to her. They can hear, they can feel. Feeding time. Talk to them. When they move into elementary, uh, very soon, you don't, maybe you don't have the, the feeding time. It's a little different. You have, you have meal time. You have morning time. You have meal time. You have, you have drive time. So when you're heading to the store with them, and then you have bedtime. That's really, a, you know, you're, you're tucking them in. They're looking at you. I mean, you can pray over them. Just say some things and encourage or affirm them. Point them to Jesus. Talk about Jesus. It doesn't have, you don't have to be, you don't have to get theological, they don't need that really at this, at this stage. They just, just love on them. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about why you love Jesus. Then they get into to middle school, some of the same things. Now you just kind of you bump it up a level. And then when they get to high school, there's, you don't get cuddle time anymore, right? But you get, there's a new one on here. You get their time. You know, when they, when they come to you and like, um, and we'll see, you know, Bethany will come, and we'll, or she'll even call us up on the phone. You know, even in our house, we still do these things. Call us up, tears coming down. You, you're here, and, and it's, that is a their time. She's reached out to us, and it's like, ding, 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 ding. It's like, hey, honey, get, just get over it. It's going to be fine. And No. And you're like, no, tell me about it. And then, man, how can I talk about Jesus? How can I weave in the gospel in this thing, Right? Think about this, you know, preschoolers, preschoolers, they're asking I or am I questions. Am I questions? Am I safe? Am I okay? Am I able? So you you grab some of those cue times, those morning meal, feeding, cuddle, bedtime. You 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 grab those moments and, and ask questions. Talk to them. Hey, what what do you do or what do I do that makes you feel loved? It means just something you're like, well, that, what does that have to do with Jesus? Well, then they say, I just, I like it when you're near. I like it when you, when you hold me. I feel really loved. And then you're like, you know what? Oh, I love that too. And you know, Jesus, he loves to come near. He loves to hold us in those times. You know, when we fall and we get scraped, he holds us near. And it's just that simple. Ask a question, hey, hey, who made you? You'll be surprised what a two-year-old will come up with and share. And then just run with that. Again, you don't have to have your Bible and you know, the systematic theology book there, to, you know, whatever questions. And if they, you know, and again, a two-year-old, you're like, well, what if I don't say the right thing? Man, God will just trust God in it elementary age they're asking the do i questions do i do i have your attention they're always wanting attention right and they're, they're pulling on you mommy mommy daddy look 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 and at times you're like please 
You know, right? We all been there. But and it's it's in those moments. It's their curiosity. Do I look at me? Do I uh, do I have your attention? Do I have what it takes? Do I do do I have friends? These are the questions that elementary kids are are asking. So fill in their those blanks. What? Hey, what what makes a good friend? Uh, you know, a good friend is, is somebody that's there no matter what. That is a great, and that's, that is a good friend. And do you know where you take that? Who is a friend that is like that? And you just, it's a quick turn. It's like, man, Jesus is like that. Then you tell a story in your own life. What makes a, what makes a good friend? How is, how is Jesus a friend to us? If you could ask God one question, what would it be? You see these kinds of questions that just kind of go, they, they take us out of the, hey, how was school today? And there's nothing wrong with that question, and that can maybe lead into something else. But, but our boys, you know, when they were, you know, it's like, how was school? That's fine. You know, you, you, so you got to probe. You've got to think some questions to turn it and, and get those conversations so you can impress Jesus, impress the gospel, impress the good news into their hearts. They need that. The enemy is coming after your kids. He is. And we, they need, they need Jesus. They need to know Jesus Middle schoolers tend to ask quite more, more relational questions. You know, this is things start changing. It's like, well, who do, who do I like? Who likes me? Who am I? Or where do I, where do I belong? Where do I fit? Those are the kinds of questions. Things are changing. like, I don't feel like I fit anywhere. I don't belong. Everybody's looking at me funny. Well, fill in their questions. What's unique about you? Now, what's really unique about you? Let them share. And then share something that you see in them. And then turn it around and say, man, God made that in you. And I love that about you. What rule in our family do you most dislike? You always make me clean up my room. Hey, yeah, I know. That's, that one's tough. You always make me clean up my room when your room doesn't look very clean. Okay, that's, hey, that's a great point. But why do you think we ask you to clean up your room? And then go, go from there. You know that Bible verse, cleanliness is next to godliness, right? That's not a Bible verse. That is not in there. But you know what? You know, when you, you come to Jesus, it's up all our, our mess. He does it. He does it. And maybe one of these times you go in and you clean up their room and you're like, and they walk in like, wow, why didn't I, somebody cleaned my room? You're like, I did. And then you turn it, you know, this is what Jesus did for us. We had a mess. He stepped in and took care of it. Why do you think God made you? Why do you think God made you? That gets down to that question of, of how do I belong? Why does it matter? How do I fit? Well, God God has a purpose. 
get into high school, the questions shift from concrete to more abstract, from rather than black and white, lots of, kind of shades of, of gray. Why should I believe? Why should I believe? How can I matter? What will I do? So again, fill in there, those kinds of questions. You know, hey, if there's one big thing, if you could change one thing in the world, what would you do? What would you change? Let them share. Like, man, that is, that'll give you insight into what they're thinking, what they're feeling. And then, th- then start like, man, how does that, how could, how could my son, how could my daughter make an impact in that area? Hey, that's awesome. And I think you might, maybe God could use you to, to help change that. And maybe pray right there. Oh, God, thank you for putting this on my daughter's heart and mind. And God, equip her, give her increased passion to be able to address this need. And God, be glorified in it. What's, you know, or how do you, how do you know what's true or not? That's a great question. If all jobs paid the same, everything paid the same, what job would you do and why? See where that goes. Friends, we need to, we need to continually, continually, diligently grab cue moments from morning to night and all in between and talk about Jesus. Ask questions. We would go see a movie. You know, the boys, we'd, we'd go see Spider-Man or something. And I'm always, you know, I'm in there and I'm watching the movie and I'm just constantly thinking, all right, hey, what, what's in here? You know, what, what? So, because I know we're going to come out and like, man, that was awesome. Did you see this? And I, and I go, well, what do you think the meaning, why did, why did they kind of go that way with that story? Why do you think? And then, then we'll, we'll, Again, it's not like we're talking, you know, let's, hey, hey, sons, after you come out of the theater and you get on your knees and let's have a little worship moment here. It's not that. It's just the simple things, the simple ways of talking about Jesus, connecting life. When, you're, when your child comes in and they've, you know, somebody at school has talked down, bullied them or something. When they see something on social media and then all of a sudden now they've got questions and grab those things and for so that's you as parents for us you're like well I'm like for us we don't we don't have our kids in the house I mean now we're doing it kind of long distance but you still do it but do I how does that fit here so when I when I'm in the hall out there and I one of your kids comes by I mean what can I ask how can I interact in such a way and what if we all did that what if we all felt that? The times that we're serving and we have the kids are around us or the youth are around the D now is this when you're gonna be in homes. You know, when we, we get to rub shoulders with them and love on them and care. We're pointing them, talk about Jesus, talk about his what he's done, point them, make much of, of him. I mean, ultimately it's it's God's responsibility to save them, to change them, to transform them. But what we do, it's the gospel that saves. So we just point them to Jesus and let him do the work. But we need to be faithful in doing that. Every time we serve, every time we gather, you come in here, little radars ought to go on. Hey, where's the next generation? Where are they? Where are they? And just love on them, care on them. 
I were to just give a summary statement about all of this, something that you go like, hey, here's what you need to do. Here's what we need to do every day. Find several moments in, in each day to have gospel conversations with your kids, with your grandkids, or with others of the next generation. Now, when, again, when I say gospel conversations, I, I'm, not, I'm not talking sitting down with them every time and just going through the ABCs, right? Admit that you're a sinner. I mean, you know, believe that he's God's son and commit your life to him. I'm not talking about that kind of gospel. I'm just, I'm talking about connecting them with, with Jesus, connecting life. See, he's at work. He's at work. He's, he's at work all around us right now. He's at work in your home, in your kid's life. It's just grabbing those moments Jesus gospel conversations find several moments in each day each day to have some kind of gospel conversation with your kids with your grandkids grandparents you have an incredible opportunity um, and we we can be uh, teaching our kids over and over and it feels like you're kind of like it's, it's just hitting a wall and nothing's sticking and they go visit the grandparents, and then they come back. Hey, guess what? I mean, grandmommy told me this, and man, I'm, that's, just, that's made an impact upon. I'm like, I've been talking about that for like for five years, and you go and and, and Granny says that, and but praise God, you grandparents, you have an, a significant role, a discipling role in your grandkids' life. Take advantage of that, and then we as a church, you have no idea how how some of these little ones look up to you. They do. Bring them Jesus. Bring them Jesus. Find several moments in each day to have gospel conversations with your kids, grandkids, or others. Maybe it's morning time. Maybe it's drive time. Maybe it's cuddle time. Maybe it's bath time. Maybe it's their time. Hey, to, to, to even help you, we've printed some things. There's four sheets. You've seen the game, 21 questions, maybe. Some of you have seen those. Here's 21 questions to get to know your preschooler. 21 questions to get to know your elementary age kid. 21 questions to get to know your middle schooler. 21 questions to get to know your high schooler. These are just conversation starters. We have them, uh, copies of them right out there on the desk look for the balloons and uh, grab some of these and start and use them go bring Jesus into the lives of our kids let's pray Father thank you for this passage we're grateful this you know you, you read this story about Moses and here he is talking to the people of Israel but it's almost like if, if he were here today and he had a couple of sentences to share with us, I think Moses would, would bring this passage to us. He'd say, this, he, he is your God. He is one God. Bring, bring the word. Bring Jesus into the conversations of your life and watch what can happen. Entrust, entrust the gospel, this good news, this beautiful work that Jesus has done, entrust that into the lives and the hearts of your children and then 
then trust me to do a work in my time. And I know there's parents here that maybe they've even raised their kids all the way and they're out of the house and maybe they're not following the Lord like, like they should. And it's like, well, Lord, what, you know, I, I've done this and I've, I've tried all, these, all this time, but God, we, we trust you with that. And I pray you would give them patience you love those children more than, more than they. And then there's others of us here today who are like, man, I have, I have wasted years already. I think about that passage that said, you know, what the locusts had eaten, God's going to restore. So God, you can, you can step in. And just as long as we're, we start now, you start afresh today to be thoughtful, intentional, to bring Jesus into the hearts of our children. Help us to do that. And I pray this week we'll have some beautiful conversations going on all across, all across our area, in homes and along the way. And use those conversations to protect them, to equip them, and to help them either soon to become followers of Jesus or to become even more devoted followers of Jesus. We give you praise now. In Jesus' name, amen.